You're now tuned into the Fully Booked Podcast with Mace, French and Pox. Enjoy the listen. Where to go? Tell me where to go. Yes, people, back again, myself, Mace. For the third time, myself, French. And myself, Andrew. <laughs> and you're back with a with review. It's another season, season 12 of Fully Booked, the People Them's podcast. We review the books that the people want read, and then we review them and give our opinion and our feedback. This season, we're reviewing the book, The Weight of the Superior Man by David Dieter. Yeah? So we're going to get into it. You want to touch on just like what what the book's about? Then we'll go for it before we start. Um, yeah. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, anyone. Anyone? Um, I'd probably be a poor person to actually um and go through essentially what the book's about. If I'm being honest, I'll touch on what the book's about. Okay. Way of the Superior Man by David Dieter. It's basically it sums up on the title as a spiritual guide to mastering the challenges of women, work, and sexual desires. So it's essentially all your everyday challenges you might get in life um, is how you can master and conquer those to reach the goal that you, you know you have within you. You might have set from a young age. You might have, you might have set and, and it's like your whole impact on, in life is detrimental to, is, is geared towards receiving this goal. And anything in the way that might be detrimental, maybe not in the short term, but in the long term. So he's giving you an overview of how you can master the challenges. And he specifically picked out women work and sexual desires because these are often the three things that, that kind of might interrupt your, your, um, your course to legacy or greatness within yourself that you want to achieve. Very good synopsis. Nice one, bro. Would you not? Go ahead. Would you, all right, so before even reading the book, would you have consider yourselves a superior man? No, and the reason I say that is because I don't, maybe I'm the modern day child, but I don't believe in superiority. Um, I don't believe in superiority. If, 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 if we compare it to women, I don't believe in superiority of, of the sexes. But then even like a superior man, the definition of that. Um, yeah, I don't, maybe it's self-reflection this is, but I don't see myself as superior to anyone else. And that's why the way I look at it when you think of the superior of a superior being or, or yeah, a supreme being or superior being. What about you, Pete? Um, I kind of agree with a lot of what May said as to obviously not believing, obviously, I'm more superior than like one other person, in particular, obviously, women. Um, but in reference to some of the things, certainly in the earlier part of the book, then I would probably, you know, side with like, yes, I am a superior man. In that, obviously, I know he speaks about. Um, chasing your purpose and things of that nature. And I think maybe even to an extent, even coming out of the shadow of your, your father or your parents and stuff like that. So I would say yes, but obviously I don't believe I'm more superior than any other person, if I'm being very honest. Cool. All right. So basically we'll go in the first part of the book. He's talk, he talks about the archetypes of men and women, um, are you guys aware of what those some of those archetypes are before I go any further? Just a quick reminder. Um, I think it'd be nice. To, yeah, a good, a quick reminder would be nice. Um, yeah, it's about Carl Jung. He's a 
he's someone that he spoke, he was the first person to talk about these different archetypes. Uh, you have different ones such as king or father, uh, mother or earth, warrior, uh, sage. So there's just different <clears throat> embodiments of how your not to say your personality, but you can all you could be interchanging between these different archetypes, but essentially they that how how you may I guess present yourself will be determined by these archetypes and you may be stronger in one than the others and you may interchange by different ones. But that kind of goes into what, what he's talking about in terms of discovering your deepest truth and living your living on your edge, which we'll go into and explain a bit further. So on the first part, um, just before, yeah, so yeah, the first part of the book, he says, in today's world, he says, I hear independent and successful women complaining that many of today's men have become wimps, too weak and ambiguous to really trust. Sensitive and affectionate men are complaining that many of today's women have become ball busters, too hardened and emotionally guarded by it to be Guarded to fully embrace, and that's on page three. Uh, is this something that any of you have picked up or experienced at all? Um, sorry, if you don't mind if I go first. It's funny um, you say that because today I was actually looking at. Um, I don't have a problem with men being open in any way, shape, or form, um, or having a bit of femininity about them. I don't think that's a problem at all, actually, because I think it's important to be open and express your feelings, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and probably um, crosses. Um, I'm looking for another word, but it kind of like blends in or crosses paths with um, the mask of masculinity to which we obviously we reviewed before. But I do believe personally there is a fine balance to to that essentially, and um, I think it can be detrimental. Um, I kind of forget where I was going. Well, I kind of forget where I was going, but yeah, I, I do. I do think there is a fine balance, and I think in so I think it's led to things such as women. Um, um, I was going to say becoming a bit more masculine, which is probably true, but kind of stepping up by way of, um, I don't know. I mean, I think we've we've gone from once upon a time, and I'm going to say just the 80s, for example, even the 90s, or just a little bit, well, not too long ago, where women probably weren't as prominent, let's say, in the workplace in terms of senior roles, et cetera, et cetera, and probably being at home and and um, um, being a housewife, et cetera, et cetera, to now obviously taking up prominent roles in, in the workplace. This, this wasn't commonplace before. And I think that is, I think, due to a number of things, really. A, um, it's only right, obviously, if that's what they want to pursue, then they should do that. But at the same time, um, I think, you know, in recent time, I think there's been a need for that, if that makes any sense. And I, I hope I've made sense of what I've tried to articulate. Yeah, I mean, I was going to even button watch it speaking. I think it's just a sign of the times, bro. Like, I just think, like... Um... You, I mean, you hit nail on the head. If you go back even further, then you went back to like the 80s and 90s, even go back further. It's just, I think it's literally just a sign of the times. There's a lot of um, equality rhetoric pushed out in the, in modern society. There's a, a lot of things are talked about with like things like glass ceiling for women. And there's like, there's like, um, you know, some workplaces will have positive discrimination to make sure there's enough women and be, I mean, um, um, BME people within certain roles within an organization, all that kind of stuff. I think it's just a sign of the times that there's a, a that there's a, a push for more equality. Um, and I think with that, you're gonna get more um women who will take the kind of the bull by the horn, so to speak. Um, you know, 
take the whatever it is by the scruff of the neck and just take ownership and leadership within their relationships, within their within their their job fields. And and as a result of that, you're gonna get if you've got a more if you've got a woman for lack of a better term, because I know David Dieter also refers to this term that's um got more masculine kind of traits, by default, unless they're kind of unless they are um gay, they, and they but and if unless they are gay, i.e. they still that is they still want children and to have a husband, by default, it's likely that that um some men are kind of gonna be have more femi- feminine traits that are not gay and as such those two might marry might not I don't mean marry such but marry up and and go together well so I just think it's more of a sign of the times that you've got um women who who have what what, what more traditional masculine traits even the field that I work in even construction when you go down to like construction sites you'll see um women as site managers now women before were just cleaners on construction you wouldn't see no women like now you'll go down you'll see a woman who's an electrician you'll see a woman site construction assistant site construction manager i think it's just honestly a sign of the times and you remember we've spoken about a number of times on this podcast whether it's we're doing um, book reviews whether we're doing fully booked meets or just having a conversation whereby you're uh, the media also like a lot of the stuff I've just spoken about, the media will push out that agenda. And, the, and with that, it's the same thing. Media will push out um, rhetoric that, you know, equal, equality, equal opportunities, all these kind of things. And I think as a result of that, you're going to get, you're going to get a, a change in like the, the kind of traditional shift of what would be your home breadwinner, masculine man, your kind of Popeye, Incredible Hulk type of dude into a more, you know, um, it, it, like those kind of characters obviously you don't really see on TV no more you're, and you're going to get like um, your women who kind of can take up that strong role you're kind of your G.I. Janes and and you're like um, what's that woman Wonder Woman them kind of people not obviously I'm you know quoting movies but I mean you're going to get that in society so I just think it's a sign of the times if I if I if I if I if I'm um, if I'm being honest sorry if you mind I'll just jump in again really um yeah, so I was talking about obviously how I, I saw a post and I think I was listening. I don't want to go too much. I don't want to go too much into the post as such. But we were talking about the type of rhetoric that is being, I don't want to use the word spout, but that is being used at this moment in time. And again, obviously, I don't have a problem with men being a bit more feminine or men being a bit more emotional or men communicating more. Because I think it's really important that men and people in general communicate, in particular, in a pandemic. Yeah. I think... With where, like, maybe some of my concerns lie, oh, it's not a concern, actually. Actually, with where my point lies is, like, obviously, we're, we're 30 plus, and I think we've grown up in a time where things were difficult. In fact, things are difficult now, but we've grown up in a time where things are difficult, and you've had to have a sense of strength, both both emotionally and physically, um, in order to survive in some way, shape, or form. And I'm, yeah, to survive. Let me use the word survive. And... I don't think that should be used as an anchor or something that is a weakness or something that, I don't know, I, I don't know, you might be able to help me by way of articulating. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we've used those these tools to survive. Of course, there are strengths in having that that, that strength of character. And of course, there are weaknesses in having that strength of character. In, in our case, let's say, for example, um, of course, I think we may need to learn to communicate maybe a little bit more and maybe touching on the, the mask of masculinity. There are a lot of unlearning that we need to do as well. But I don't yeah. think you should... Sorry, go on. Got a good point, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I don't think it's a bad thing. If I'm... If I'm yeah, I, I don't think being masculine is a bad thing. It's funny we were touching on 
masculinity in reference to watching obviously a podcast and other stuff. I mean, moments before we we began. I don't think it's a bad thing at all, but I do think a mix and a blend is is definitely needed. And obviously, I know all three of us in some way, shape, or form are striving to let's say have that blend. You know, yeah, have that blend. Ultimately, we, we want to be better people. So it's not a case of yeah, I I, I rep for. Um, only masculine, only masculinity. You know what I mean? You want to be a better person. Yeah, do you know what? Sorry, and one forgot to mention as well, which both of you can probably, this is one of the key things. You you would have seen it as well, whether it's branded across the World Wide Web or on adverts or on TV screens, how many adverts or or kind of, um, or things are thrown at you in terms of it's okay to talk. Men yeah. can depress, all that kind of stuff. That's what I was getting at as well, that all that kind of stuff is making it okay for you to show a more sensitive, I want to use the term sensitive side rather than like uh, like a weaker side, if that makes sense. That kind of, back in the day, you don't, even the way we were raised, it was like, you know, you don't hear, you must feel, and you, you crying for no one hit you, that kind of, like, that's how we were raised. It's none, none of this emotional stuff. Do you know what I mean? All that emotional stuff now, you can you can bring into the public eye and won't be shunned upon or looked down upon. I think... <clears throat> I think it's also getting to a point where it's becoming too, too like feminized. Like men, as men, we're becoming all right, cool. It's okay to cry. Yeah, it's cool. Okay to cry. There's nothing wrong with crying. Like I'll say, if I cry, but if like we talk every week, if either one of us is bursting out crying every week, bro, like mm. come on, man, ask me, like, bro, fix up. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> No, 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 come on, like, don't no, I know, I know, I know. You can have a you can have a crying session, you need to cry out, bro, like man's hair for you, whatever, whatnot. But if you're crying every single week, we're gonna have to go to, down to the gym and just just pump it out or something. Like, do you know, like obviously I'm joking, like it's not not literally, but just to and again, we were talking about a conversation just before we started recording, but being on this masculine ship, like sometimes I think it's not it's not a bad thing to be proud to be masculine. Like, if you want to be, if you're a strong and silent type, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think you get demonised for not wanting to break down and wanting to let let all your emotions out. I think it's almost, you become like, oh, that's so archaic. That's a, that's a old way of being and you should, you should be open up. I, mean, I, I, I personally don't, don't believe that. I think, as P rightly said, there's a mix, and we do strive to do it, do that. And I think, um, going back to the original question of um, mm. whether or not I'm a, be, I feel I'm a superior man. I think to be a superior man, there's nothing. And like, I think you've you've both cleared it up in terms of not being superior than any other human. Yeah, cool, understand that. But just on the note of this is the title of the book, I consider myself to be an, an, an aspiring superior man which is a mix of feminine and masculine but my going back to the archetypes my archetype is very masculine it's on a kingship it's on a warrior it's on a sage those are things that resonate with me as soon as I pick up on something that's very geared towards those archetypes it just resonates with me just because I'm very masculine in that sense but um in regards to, I guess, leading and, and following <laughs> and like women nowadays, as you said, Mace, it's, a t it's, the, it's the times they're in and, and you rightly said, P, that they have, they've had to step up to the plate and, and do what they need to do. 
but that's also, I guess, encroaching on relationships as well, which is what we're going to go into throughout this book because this is what it's, it's more or less based around, essentially. So on page four, he says, if you want real passion, you need a ravisher and a ravishi. Otherwise, <laughs> you just have two buddies who decide to rub genitals in bed. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's on page four. So... He also goes on to say, the love may still be strong, the friendship may still be strong, but the sexual polarity fades. Unless in moments of intimacy, one partner is willing to play the masculine pole and one partner is willing to play the feminine. So I'm going to ask, have, does or has your partner taken control in the bedroom or do you allow them to if they do? Control in what way? Because I'm not getting slapped in doggy for no one. <laughs> so let's let's define control right about now. Because obviously, if your if your missus goes no, because not but listen, because go just like the the premise was what I was saying in terms of the feminine and the masculine. So the whole point was one partner has to be willing to play the masculine role and one has to be yeah. the female role. Now. Obviously, I don't know your position in the bedroom, but yeah, you, yeah, yeah. some men may be more masculine in the bedroom and let their women take over and vice versa. So I was asking, like, wh where do you guys stand? Are you more the masculine or are you more the feminine? Uh, how can I put it? Because I, I put it this way, yeah? Because man don't just... Man ain't a robot, so it don't just stay in one position. Of course not. You're going to interchange. So what I'm, yeah, so what, are you saying being... Overall. Take it... You're thinking about it way too hard. I was thinking, no, it's, it's not even that I'm thinking about it way too hard. Right, it's just, for instance, no, 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 sorry, sorry. All right, P, you can come, but you can, you can, you can, um, thing, you can, you can, um, you can land. But what I'm saying is, if someone decides to go on top, sorry, if is no, it doing way too much explaining? All right, P, go, go. do your thing. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so my response or my answer is like kind of simple in that, yeah, I do, <laughs> but obviously, it's a relationship. I mean, you may not be in a relationship with that person, but mm. when, you, when you are obviously ha having sex with someone, you are there is some form of relationship. And of course, mm. there might be some point she may want, she may want to take lead or want to do something, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm gonna say, yeah. by and large, I'm I'm taking lead. It's not yeah, I'm taking lead, but by and large, mm. I, I am I'm in yeah. Don't, think, don't be afraid of it, man. No, I'm not. I'm just yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I just started. You know, you know, what I find it really funny, and I'll be honest yeah. about this. When, when, we're, when we're specifically talking about sex, I don't know why I feel I get like uncomfortable. Not that I'm uncomfortable, but that's because it's airing out to the world wide web. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, I'm too sure. No, do you know what it is? Yeah, because I would say I take the lead, but at the same time, man's like, if we're gonna flip over and all these uh, that kind of things, where someone goes on top or whatever, yeah. do, am I the one that's like, right, it's time to flip over, or does it naturally happen? I, do you know what I'm saying? I can't really. Yeah, but it's natural. It's not a case yeah. of I right, you play I right, today you're gonna play masculine and I'm gonna play. It's not like that. Obviously, yeah, it's in the motion. You you either almost submit the lead or you yeah. take the lead. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, okay, it's yeah. just a vice versa. And I'm just saying, like, is it is it more you take the lead or is it more you follow the lead? That's what I'm, that's that's the the basis of the question. Yeah, I would say it's more that I take the lead when it okay. comes. 
relationships personally. Cool. So we'll, we'll get into it now. So part one, a man. So I'm, I'm taking it that you, because you're you're the you you refer to yourself as the. Man. I said that. I said oh, that I'll okay, take, okay. take the lead. Yeah, facts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, more cool. often than not, not to say that I wouldn't, I don't let the women take the lead as well, but on the majority, no, fully. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, taking yeah. the lead, man. It's no, no doubt about that. Well, um, what um, page are you kicking off now on French? We're on part one, A Man's Way. What page? Do you know? I'm going to quote it now, then say, yeah, yeah page yeah, yeah. Where, Page 14, page 14, just... Uh, okay, do you know what it is? I just wanted to, because there was a couple of early quotes in the book I just wanted to get on. I just felt like... Yeah, yeah. Um, I just felt like they were quite, they're quite a good lead into the book, but also a lead into, into David Dida's mind. So they're quite early. They're in like the first page or so. Cause I've got, I've got actually, yeah. So one of the quotes on page five, you may not know your mission, but unless you discover this deep purpose and live it fully, your life will feel empty at its core. Even if your intimate relationship and family life are full of love. So that was like, I just felt that was one of the earliest pages, like maybe page five. And I just felt yeah. like that is a good intro into the, when we're saying how to sum up the book, that's a very good intro of how to, how to like lead into the book essentially. And, and what, what David Didi is saying. Um, also there was a couple others. So the mission or the search for freedom is the priority of the masculine. Whereas the search for love is the priority of the feminine. So that's David Dida there kind of um, uh, separating um, like a, a male's kind of prerogative against a female's prerogative or primary kind of concern. And then just one more. Um, no, sorry, this is a question. So this is a question that arose from me on page, that rose from me from reading page six. Would you rather that your sexual partner was physically stronger than you or would you prefer to feel your lover's physical vulnerability? So I'll repeat. Would I'll, you? Yeah, I would prefer to feel a vulnerability. Yeah, likewise, I'm wrestling with... Um, ultimate warrior there. I don't, I don't need that. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah, why, yeah. I, I'm the warrior in in the situation. So okay. why would that? Yeah, no. That's that's that's. I know what part you're talking about. That was. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 I get that. Was there any more? Yeah, just one more on page nine. So if you yeah. If you have a masculine sexual essence, then you would probably admit, if you're being brutally honest, that your intimate relationship is just not as important important to you as the mission in your life. But you yeah. have a full and energetic intimate relationship, perhaps quite badly. Oh, this is a question. Sorry, sorry. Had a, sorry. <laughs> so okay, question, guys. This was based on what I read on page nine. If you have a masculine sexual essence, then you would probably admit, if we were being brutally honest, that you're intimate relationship is not just as important to you as the mission in your life, but you still want a full and energetic intimate relationship, perhaps quite badly. So that's the quote. How do you deal with this and often, how do, how do you deal with this often misunderstood dilemma? Cool. Um, so you finished? Yeah. Cool. That, that touches on funny enough, like in part, the conversation we're having the other day. And also I think the second bullet point or thing you, you mentioned as to essentially was the, the balance between your purpose and, your relationship. I don't know how deep you want to get into it now, because I know there is probably, I think, a part. Yeah, I was going to say, to be fair, that that question comes up almost again numerous amount of times throughout the book. So that's why I left it there because the part that you read, that's almost like a, a summary of the whole book. So yeah, 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 and yeah. Then breaks it down, and we'll we'll go through it as the book goes on. Still, oh, we can do that then. Mm -hmm. All right. So starting from part one, a man's way. 
Uh, stop hoping for completion of anything in life. The masculine error is to think that ev eventually things will be different in some fundamental way. They won't. It never ends. As long as life continues, the creative challenge is to tussle, play, and make love with the present moment while giving your unique gift. That's on page 14. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know what your gift is and are you sharing it? Uh, I'll go first. And I think we had this conversation randomly. Where I, say, I was saying, I feel it was on the phone to both of you. I was waiting for my trim. Mm. Nothing new. But back come. <laughs> and um, actually, we was on the phone. And I was like, do you know what? I don't think I fully discovered what, like, I feel like everyone has something that there's, because everyone's, every single person on this earth is different. There's no, no what two people are, the, even twins, they're not the same. Do you know what I'm saying? Everyone's got their own unique brain, heart, set of lungs. So you, everyone must have something that they do that is slightly different from someone else. And it's just finding that. And I was saying, I don't know if I've, if I've found what my different is that, that could like make me, not, not special in, in terms of um, special to the world, but just special to myself that I know I'm the only person who ever thinks or does this or whatever. So I'm still, I feel like I'm still searching for that. I mean, I know what I'm good at. I know that I, know, I, know that, like, I can be, um, I can have the, um, uh, OCD on certain things, um, but whether that's a, a kind of skill, I don't know, and what that would that would that could help and assist with. Um, and I know I'm very structured with certain things as well, regimented at times. So it's just like I I, I just feel like I, personally, I still need to find my gift or skill, my unique gift or skill, and that can that can assist me and help others essentially. UP. Um, actually, well, I know my response actually, but I want to be specific with the question. Do you say, do I know my gift and do I share it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel I know my gift. Um, do I share it? I feel I might be on the path to beginning to share some of my gifts, but um, yeah, I, I, I mean, we have this conversation, well, this conversation was, will certainly um, discuss things around it maybe quite often. So I feel I know my purpose. I know all that type of stuff already. Um yeah, so I'm quite clear with what I want to do and what I'm doing. And, and if I'm honest, being specific, my gifts, maybe I, I might need to kind of narrow down one or two things, if that makes any sense, and, I'm, and work on those maybe a little bit more. Um, some of the questions I ask myself quite frequently is, do I run away from actually developing those gifts even more um, to, um, I don't know, do I, do I, I don't know, do I kind of avoid developing those gifts? for some strange reason. I don't want to do a dance and go on a, another path as such, but do I share them? Um, I think I'm working towards sharing them, but obviously that can be difficult. I think you need to find yourself in a position where you're you're comfortable in sharing those gifts. And I'm not talking about by way of being vulnerable or worried about sharing those gifts, but sometimes you need to, I don't know, just be a bit more comfortable, you know? Um, I don't know how best to describe that. I get you. Uh, I guess a, a confidence in your in your own gift. Um, yeah. Um, yes, that's not what I was referring to, but that's obviously a very good point as well. But maybe even to an extent as to being established or established within yourself, feeling comfortable. Yes, I'm ready to actually share my gift. But yeah, there, there are a number. There are a number of reasons, but I think I'm I'm, I'm building towards those towards those things anyway. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, moving on. So, yeah, so moving on on the next page, page 15. He says, embrace her or wrestle with her or scream and yell for the heck of it, but no effort to bring an end to that, what, to, to, 
no effort to bring an end to that which pisses you off. And that's on page 15. Mm. I was, I was toying with this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you think we can love the things we hate about our partner? And I say hate, not in the, the most strongest of words. I just mean, I just said hate because it's the opposite of love. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think It's not literally hate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think me being in, in a relatively long-term relationship now, you don't, it's not it, like you learn to tolerates the wrong words, but um, you learn to, to, this is sound wrong, but right at the same time, you learn to prioritize when to pick and choose what to really, what to really say, look, I'm not having this and what you're tolerating. Because if you go full steam ahead and you and everything, every, everything, no matter how little or how big you have an issue with, actually it's now a big thing every time. If actually some things that actually might piss you off, but they're minuscule, just you learn to either let them slide or just bring it up in a nice way. But then other things that are really that can be quite important that really gets to you. If you if you tackle if you kind of speak about those, then it's it's more like it's it's more like a um uh what do you call it coming coming together or, or like you're I don't know what you call it like where you you're being um cohesive cohesive. Another word I was looking for um. Where you're being like, um, yeah, basically where you're working together almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's essentially what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with Mason. If I'm honest, um, I don't know. I just try to understand that nobody's perfect. You know what I mean? And again, obviously, we're talking about. Okay, we're kind of well for the sake of the question, we're talking about actually being in a relationship. I'm not in one, or nor am I seeing anyone at this moment in time, actually. Um, but if you like or you're in love with this person, then I think you grow to understand that's that person. And that might be something that person is actually working on. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a very good point, actually. On page, Rich, did you have a follow-up to that question? No, go ahead. On page, because on page 15 and 16, um, there's a couple of statements. One of them may be think a little bit about um, about you actually, please. So on page there's a, there's a little um, quote or sentence in there where he says, most postponements are excuses for a lack of creative discipline. Uh, sorry, yeah. Um, limited money and family obligations have never stopped a man who really wanted to do something. That was on page 15. And then page 16, which kind of follows up on that a little bit is, men who have lived significant lives of men who have never waited. Every moment waited is a moment wasted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm quite. It's funny you mentioned. We also we spoke today's Friday. We spoke on 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 Monday. And it's funny. There's a couple of things you actually said, which obviously allowed you to say. I didn't. I didn't um, try to pick you up, pick pick you up on. But I'm, sorry. And if I'm honest, I'm not necessarily going to raise them here, which actually defeats the purpose. But um, yeah, I just don't believe in making excuses. I just think we're at an age, or maybe sometimes a lot of us have actually been through a lot, you know, and then you come to a point or a realisation, actually, I don't have time for excuses um, and my time actually means a lot to me. And that is, I'm, 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 I'm really particular, I mean, with my time, really particular. And I, and I get frustrated when people, and particularly with my family members, when they don't respect my time. It could be anything such as, um, oh, you know what, people are going to think I'm really harsh about this, actually. Mm-hmm. And I know my mum feels the same way. So, um my mum's asked me to pick her up from work over the past, let's say, couple of days. And there's times where I'll say, I can't do that as such. 
But then I've realised, I think she might have told my sister or told my niece. My niece is 10, 11. My niece will find a way to communicate with me and say, I'm selfish, I'm this, I'm that, the third, so on and so forth. But the way <laughs> I'm looking, she you know, we have a, like a, a weird relationship where she, you know, when someone likes to get into you, like be really critique, any, really critique you as to your behaviour. Anyway, so the way I kind of look at it is like, it will take me half an hour, 45 minutes to go collect, to, to go pick you up. Um, depending on traffic, going towards kind of you, French, don't want to be specific, all right? And then actually there's a lot of traffic coming back because of the time and now you can't use the bus lanes, et cetera, et cetera. So sometimes mm. it can take me an hour and a half, straight two hours to go there and back. I've, I've got things going on. Whereas if you were getting on public transport, it will take you half the time. It takes you half an hour. So, I mean, so I kind of look at it. I know you're both laughing. So for those who are listening <laughs> by audio, so I look at it as, It'll take you half an hour to get back, but it's wasted two hours of my day. But I've got things going on. <laughs> and let's look at it like this. And friends, <laughs> friends are laughing. No, no, sorry. I, sorry. I, I really do apologise if I come across crazy, all right? Because obviously we're talking about our parents here. But um, I've only... So, okay. We we're talking about reading a book and oh. how I haven't read... I haven't completed the book. I was supposed to read the book um, today, yesterday, and the day before. But oddly enough, I've, I've been sleeping really early. Those two hours between four and six, you know, I, I probably would have been reading the book or I would have like organised myself to read the book. But yeah, I was in bed by seven, eight, nine. Gone. Just, mm -hmm. you know, you just, you just fall asleep. And then before you know, it's 3 a.m. And that's happened on two, three days in a row. Funny enough, the days I've gone to pick her up. Because I've used my energy and my time elsewhere. I'm really like, I'm funny about stuff like that. Man. And I find myself more productive in doing so, being like a stickler for time. But it's not just my mum. Like, it's, it could be anything. You know what I mean? So the internet gets you, bruv. That's mine out. <laughs> Make a meme out of you, boy. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not fussed. I'm not fussed. I'm not fussed at all. I mean, I'll I get, play. So no, very, very quickly. No, I'm glad you said that. I'm very quickly. Like, um, I don't want to go too deep into my own situations and stuff like that, but stuff mm -hmm. such as, obviously, I've also given an example of my mum. I don't feel good about what I'm saying and what I'm doing, but I believe it's for the benefit of myself. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes you need to be selfish. Yeah, yeah. Really do. I think sometimes you really need to be selfish in order to get the best out of yourself and take, and take yourself to the next level. I find myself mm -hmm. being really, really productive, which is, again, really important for me. No, I get that. Um, to finish up and kind of go off the back of the last question, and this is, um, I guess, we get, it's quite, to be fair, we're going to get through quite a few chapters quite quickly just because the way the book's done. So it's not that we're not having an in-depth conversation. It's just that it's broken up into so much different parts. It's, it's going to seem like we're going through the chapters quickly. But just to end up, end up on part one, <clears throat> he says on page 16, the world and your woman will always present you with unforeseen challenges. You are either living fully, giving your gift in the midst of these challenges, even today, or you're waiting for an imaginary future that will never come. Men who have lived significant lives are men who never waited, not for money, security, ease, or women. Feel what you want to give most as a gift to your woman and to the world. Do what you want to give. Do what you can to give it today. Every moment waited is a moment wasted. And each wasted moment degrades your, clar your clarity of purpose. 
And part two, which is live with an open heart, even if it hurts. Mm. To act as a superior man. Sorry, Fetch, before you go into part two, on part one, see that last statement you read out here? There's a point that says, the world, the woman and the world, or the the world and the woman, and your woman, or something like that. Even like that, with... Why did he? Why do you think he felt the need? Is it because his relationship? He felt the need to throw in the woman. Like it's almost, he's almost like. No, because yeah, go on. Now finish your point. Finish your point. It's almost like he's saying your woman's gonna like the world's got problems. The the your woman's problems are different from the world problem. Like they're gonna be a whole another. They have to be separate from the world's problems. That makes sense. And it's like that's the almost. Anyway, go on. Yeah, that's what that's the point I'm getting at. I'm thinking, I, I've read it as he's comparing the problems that you get from the world are just as equal as the the, the problems you're going to get from your woman. So how you handle the problems that you have with your woman is how you're going to handle the problems in the world, essentially. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I've read it. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. I think, obviously, French, you mentioned earlier something he said as to... Um, I mean, there are always things going on. There's always something that you need to do. You know what I mean? And finding there's that always a challenge. Facts. Yeah, there's, there's always, always a challenge. Always a challenge. Sorry, there's. So I just wanted to add. I think one of the. I forget. I forget exactly what you said in on the first point. But like going yeah. back to I think one of your earlier questions, um, something you said like kind of tweaked my ear. We were having a conversation probably let's say two three months ago, and I think you asked mm. him. You, I think you said to me, "Why are you shouting?" And I actually remember. Um, I remember, like, obviously, we were on the phone, so we weren't on Skype, not Skype, we weren't on yeah. or anything like that. So I remember, like, kind of like, you know, when you kind of pull back as to why am I shouting, all right? And yeah. then I sat there for a second, and then I continue, obviously, we continued the conversation. But once we came off the phone, and I thought to myself, actually, I've got to answer that question. I think, in fact, no. And you said to me, in fact, what you said was, because I know you can't be angry at me. That's exactly what you said. And mm. I sat there, so I remember pulling back, and I went, I'm not angry at him. So that's, I, know, I know that's not, I know I'm not angry at French. That's not my that's not my issue. So when I pulled back, I was kind of I asked myself that question. And then when I got off the phone, I ended up thinking, actually, I need to ask, I need to answer that question. All right. And I and I came to the conclusion is because I'm very passionate. Again, when we speak on the phone, I'm always talking very loudly, very quickly, very um aggressively. Sometimes you don't say I'm very aggressive when we're having debates. No, it's because I'm quite passionate about things, or I might be passionate about that subject, or I want to get my my point across. And within my um let's say some of my working experiences, likewise yourself, whether it's working in education or some mm. of the other fields that I've worked in, it kind of like evolves around, let's say, the development of people in some way, shape or form. So I think maybe to answer that question before, I think, yeah, I am kind of sharing some of my gifts, if that makes any sense. And sorry, the reason why that popped in my brain was because someone called me, probably I think it was last week, and we're having just a very, very gentle, well, very simple conversation, maybe a catch up. And they went into a conversation as to me giving that person advice as to what I think that person should do. And I'll say I was probably giving that advice based on my own experience, but at the same time, that person being 10 years my junior and me having obviously been through his experiences and me telling you, me telling him, don't don't make that mistake because that's your ego talking. You'll end up regretting that. I'm here now and these are the things that I'm having to do to undo the learning or undo the mistakes that have taken place this, this, at this point, that point, or that point. And also, you don't know what that person has been through as to why they're acting out in this way. But at some point, I feel you will get those answers. So at this moment in time, do what the, do the right thing. Spike Lee, do the right thing. And hopefully, at some point, you know, you'll, you'll get some, some form of, um, I don't know, benefit from doing the right thing. 
Cool. Was you going to jump in as well, there, Miss? No, no, no. I won't say anything. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah. So part two. Live with an open heart, even if it hurts. So to act as a to act as a superior man, as a samurai of relationship, you must feel the entire situation with your whole body. A closed body is unable to sense subtle cues and signals, and therefore unable to act with mastery in the situation. What's your interpretation of that statement? And that's on page. Oh, I didn't even write the page number down. I think that's. I didn't write the page number down on that one. So, part two. Um, are you just... Go on. Um, I think what I briefly took from what you said, sometimes it takes me twice hearing something to get it. But what I got yeah, yeah. to you is, um, I think when you, I don't want to say you have an ego, that's for lack of a better word. I think you, you uh, you're not open to suggestions and you can't, you can't respond or do the right thing because you have a bias. Yeah, I think that's a dope, dope analogy still. What about you, Mace? The question, sorry, friend, because I missed a little bit. Oh, uh, it's more a statement. I just think yeah. what's your interpretation of the statement. But yeah. to act as a superior man, as a, a samurai of relationship, you must fill the entire situation with the whole body. A closed body is unable to sense subtle cues and signals, and therefore unable to act with mastery in the situation. For me, I, I'll. I'll, I'll Give my two pence as well. How I, how I, similar to you, Pete, like just to piggyback off what you were saying, but also to add a bit more context with it. I think the your close, if you've got a closed body, you're not being able to pick up on the non-verbal cues in a relationship. So you maybe not be able to, you know, when someone steps into the room, you can sense their energy. Yeah. Or the, the energy, and you may be having a conversation and the energy just changes for whatever reason. I think you've got a closed body. You're not going to be able to sense that. And if you're in a relationship, if you've got a closed body in that relationship, you're not going to be able to tell when those subtle changes happen. So even if your your missus, your partner may feel showing that she's or he is one way and they actually feel another way and you can sense that they feel another way, if you've got a closed body, you wouldn't be able to sense it. You'll just take their their, I guess, their answer or their... Yeah, their answer what it is, really, but I know what you mean. Yeah, just just, just the, um, the facade of, yeah, I'm good, but if you actually sense that they're not good, if you've got a closed body, you're not going to be able to pick up pick up on that that change of energy, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's right. my that's my interpretation of, of what that says. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm entitled to agree with... Sorry, um... Inclined to agree with both of you, to be fair, you said. And it's exactly that. And speaking for someone who's obviously in a relationship, mm. you can sense when things are not all okay because you know what all okay looks like and feels like. Mm. So part three, moving. Is there anything before I move on? Because I said that we, we're going to go through these, these chapters quite quick because mm. they are quite short. And I'm good. Cool. Part three. Live as if your father were dead. Now, imagine that your father has died. And this is on page 19. Imagine that your father has died or remember that he did die. Are there any feelings of relief associated with his death? Now that he is dead, is any part of you happy that you need not to live up to his expectations or solve his criticisms? 
How would you have lived your life differently if you had ever never if you've never never tried to please your father? If you've never tried to show your father what you that you were worthy, if you never felt burdened by your father's critical eye. Did you any like whilst reading those those questions, did any of you try and I guess almost role play and, and think about those questions and answer them at all? Do you know what? What with that, see that statement you just read out, it's gonna sound weird. I can fully get where David D is coming from that statement because I'm I'm assuming that the typical household has that father that was who kind of want um, has expectations a certain standard of expectation for their son. I I didn't grow up in a household like that. I was pretty free. So in terms of whether my father's hair, my father's not hair, there's no sense of of burden that's released or thank goodness because I didn't quite live up to this expectation or um, I wish my father would see me get hair. I kind of grew up a bit more freer than that. So that really didn't resonate with me, if I'm honest. Yeah. What about you, Pete? Um, yeah, there were a number of things, really. Um, I think we've done this, um, or we've done something very similar in a book we've read, um, or a season or season, a season <laughs> before. Um, there's a sentence I'm going to read, and I want to answer the question. It says, how would you have, I think you might have said it anyway, how, yeah, how would you have lived your life differently if you had never tried to please your father if you never try to show your father that you were worth, or well, forget the worthy part anyway. The point I'm, I'm making is, I think, in particular, I'm going to say even in African households, and obviously I imagine it's different in other cultures too, where your parent wants you to become, let's say, a lawyer, a doctor, um, blah, blah, blah. The list is endless. And sometimes the list is very narrow. Uh, but that individual, that son or daughter, but let's say son, doesn't actually want to do those things, but does that because that is what the, the father wants. And you find that, in fact, funny enough, you find that, um, some some footballers have that issue. Like, for example, Peter Schmeichel and um, what's his face? Um, I forget his name. Casper Schmeichel. Um, I don't know. Anyway, father and son in football, you may you may sometimes find those those the, the, the way of expectation. In particular, if your father was a legend, you know, because you want to, I don't know, live up to that expectation. You know, whereas maybe your father, for example, um, just wants you to play football. And I remember. I think listening to Peter Schmeichel, and I'll touch on my, I'll touch upon myself in just a moment. But remember listening to Peter Schmeichel, I think speak. This is obviously not um, verbatim, but I means speaking of the pride and joy, obviously of his son, obviously winning the Premier League with Leicester, and speaking of the pressures of him, obviously having to live up to his name, and obviously him or Peter Schmeichel being probably the greatest um, keeper in the Premier League. You know, is some, is some expectation, is some. That, that, that's a tall order, you know what I mean, for some of the things obviously Peter Schmeichel went on to achieve. But as to myself, I'm currently going through some of those things, I say kind of like as we speak, but I don't think, maybe as a young individual, there's been maybe expectations, but I've always been, and even judging by even some of the things I said earlier about my mum, I've always been a bit of a, a semi-renegade and I'm certainly living up to even those things now. Like I'm not interested in what your expectations are, et cetera, et cetera. And in particular... And finding a bit more about obviously about my mother and my father and I don't know the way they grew up, et cetera, et cetera, going back home, all that type of stuff. I feel a lot of those those shackles have have come I've kind of come I've kind of like come off myself. Um yeah, they've come off myself. So I don't I don't feel I have that way of expectation, but um there has become in recent time like a, a real sense of belonging or or greater sense of self in understanding who I am, but obviously understanding obviously who they are. I don't know if that answers the question. Um, precisely, um, yeah. No, it was just a number of questions. I was just seeing like, if you'd gone through 
obviously not. Yeah, I mean, literally, maybe of thinking, oh, if if my dad was dead, how would I feel? Just, just, just basically going through the exercise that you presented. Yeah, um, I think naturally, I think you would obviously be you very, very hurt, very heartbroken, you know, all those things. But I think I'm arriving at a point where. Um, if it, if it were to end today or tomorrow, I would be I'll be quite comfortable. It's mad because actually I had a, I had a really deep conver- a, a deep conversation, but a very short conversation with my dad today um, about someone in particular, and it was almost it was something I couldn't really ignore. You know what I mean? So we had to have a real honest conversation. But I thought to myself, is I'm the only person who's going to have this conversation. I don't think anyone else is going to have this conversation with you and. I don't, yeah, I definitely don't want to go into it. I think there's no need to go into it, actually. But following that, actually, I spoke to one of my other brothers, um, who's my half-brother, who lives in Ghana, and I said, like, I, we need to speak tomorrow at three. We need to speak tomorrow. He has no idea what it is, but anyway, I don't want to go into, I don't want to go into depth. I don't think there's any need. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable at this moment in time. So if it unfortunately ended tomorrow, I'd be, a, I don't know I was going to say happy man, but I mean, I'd feel, I'd feel, I'd feel comfortable, I think. Disappointed, but I feel I'd feel comfortable. Which is a great place to be oh. because not many people um would find themselves in that situation. True. Sure.